we're all in a fairly solid state of constant adaptation today. But I think we can do better with bridging the gaps between classroom and practice. Graduates need to enter the workforce with a solid skill set, but they also need to be more knowledgeable about real work. Uh, again, based on feedback from our graduates uh, who tell us that the workplace is not what they expected and it's much harder. All new health professionals need some time for residency training and nursing is no different. Welcome to Second Opinions, a HealthStream podcast. I'm your host, Brad Weeks. Join me as I talk to some of the preeminent thought leaders and experts working in healthcare today. In these candid interviews, we're going to hear some alternative views. We're definitely going to challenge conventional wisdom, and we're going to get a little personal. But we are looking for second opinions. Join us. Today we're talking with Dr. Kathy Taylor, the Dean of Belmont University's School of Nursing in Nashville, Tennessee. At HealthStream, we've had the privilege of collaborating with Dr. Taylor and the nursing school for a number of years now, and we've seen their progressive approach firsthand. Kathy, thanks for joining us. Uh, Tell our listeners about your background and your role here at Belmont University School of Nursing. Thank you, Brad, for having me to give you some notes about my own background, which includes a traditional bachelor's and master's in nursing um, and a doctorate in public health with a focus in maternal and child health. And um, finally, I did a a postdoc at Vanderbilt uh, focused on service delivery for vulnerable populations. So very interested in population health for pretty much my whole career. How have students changed just in general Uh, given your experience over the years? Students are still students. They are young adults. They face the same issues that we all face at that age. Developmentally, they're maturing, exploring the world around them, and finding their place. What has changed more in recent years is the environment around them. With technological advances, high-speed internet, global travel, incredible distractions with multiple devices from multiple directions. Students have many more career and role choices today than they have ever before. They have to commit to lifelong learning and be willing and able to retrain and adapt to ever-changing workplace demands. In what ways are millennials the same and in what ways are they different than previous generations? They're really, they face a number of the same challenges that all of us did in those young adult years, but some characteristics that we know are a little bit different are they are really very tech savvy and they are um, savvy multitaskers. They're connected and for us, they expect our faculty to be connected. We reach them via social media. Uh, We know they like instant gratification and recognition. They like transparency and authenticity. They want honesty in all of their relationships. And if if they feel you aren't being honest with them, they will call you on it. They're very interested in career advancement, and they value even small, early advances. Also, um, they're very interested in life balance and finding their own sense of purpose. And this really aligns well with our service mission here at Belmont, where 
we are dedicated to preparing providers who are really compassionate, but also with some background that enables them to think about transformational leadership, but always with an eye toward service. You mentioned something about life balance that certainly is relevant in, in healthcare today. We've seen statistics that illustrate burnout and levels of frustration, even exhaustion, are increasing for physicians, for nurses, and other clinicians as well. And you mentioned how you've seen the younger generation of nursing students now searching for life balance and maybe more attuned to that than different generations. How can we um, take advantage of that better so that they're better prepared, compassionate, but also able to balance life um, and work? That is actually something that we have begun to pay particular attention to. We just completed a retreat based on a complete focus on well-being and care for the caregiver, compassionate self-care, if you will. And we think that is going to grow even to be more important over time, not just for nurses, but for the entire healthcare team. If you look at some of the information that we get, the feedback we get from our graduates, they talk about uh, realistic expectations as they step into the workplace, but also how it is much harder than they expected. The work is just harder. And so I think we have a lot of work to do associated with not just creating those realistic expectations on, on our end and working close, more closely with our clinical partners to make sure that those are as realistic as we can make them, but also um, helping uh, our students and graduates with um, organizational skills that help them um, to balance uh, the demands of, of the workplace. What are the strengths of today's nursing student? We've already touched on how tech-savvy they are. It's really uh, awe-inspiring sometimes about uh, the way they approach technology and just expect it to work in ways that some of us um, wouldn't even dream about. They're really knowledgeable. They don't have a, a, a memory of a world without Google and Wikipedia. <laughs> They're global citizens, and they are very service-minded. Vital to safe, compassionate patient care is really the, the option and the skills associated with intentional listening and processing and being able to communicate at a number of different levels. And so we have to help them recognize that. Certainly, the profession has always been difficult, but how have the demands and expectations changed um, today? We have literally been exploring strategic answers to those questions since I came to Belmont in 2012. We conducted some extensive interviews with nurse leaders and executives uh, in the Nashville and surrounding areas, and we asked them two simple questions. What gaps do you see in new graduate preparation, and what do you need to see? Almost to a person, they said, we can teach them skills, and they can learn our processes, but what they really need is, and they started to give us these lists, and they were the equivalent of a very experienced nurse. What we said is, we hear you, and we hear that you need our graduates to be more flexible and to have better teamwork skills, to be better communicators and better critical thinkers. We hear that you want them to be uh, able to make ethical decisions 
and that um, you want them to be more real, uh, resilient and that you want them to come to you with at least some basic leadership skills. Um, so we'll work on that. We're not going to probably be able to produce an experienced nurse for you, but we certainly can address some of these gaps. Um, today's nurse we know faces an incredibly challenging environment. We have an older, more chronically ill and culturally diverse patient population. Um, associated with that comes increases in those ethical uh, decision challenges, end of life, genetics, limited resources. They face mountains of data um, in different states of organization that there is old or new technology that doesn't always work seamlessly and frequently we add on tasks and we don't typically take anything away. And one of the big challenges I think facing all of us, it doesn't really matter if you're seasoned or if you're new. Um, a University of Iowa study um, uh, most recently estimated that by 2020, medical data will double in just 73 days. That's two-tenths of a year. Knowledge is growing faster than any of us can assimilate and apply. That may be one of our greatest challenges ahead. Kathy, we know that uh, you've spearheaded an effort here at Belmont to address the challenges and the demands really by rethinking curriculum. And, and, and type of content that you prepare nursing students with today. What can you tell our, our listeners about that? I'm excited to talk about this. Um, if you think about um, our earlier discussion about information overload and content saturation, we know that that uh, can lead to great frustration on the part of both students and faculty so listening to the feedback from those nurse leaders about the need for new skill sets um, and listening to feedback from our, our own graduates. Beginning in 2014, the Belmont nursing faculty accepted a really enormous challenge. They began an in-depth examination of our existing curriculum for the first time in many years. They mapped the content, they looked at standards of care and the skills recommended by those nurse leaders, and they identified some significant gaps. And so over the next two years, they worked really hard to design a new concept-based curriculum to address those gaps. And we just admitted our first cohort of undergraduate students who will benefit from all this hard work, but a little bit about concept-based learning. Concept-based models uh, stimulate deep thinking. Students learn big ideas and how to organize information into categories. This is in contrast to traditional models where students learn facts and then they work to apply them in a, in a clinical setting. In concept-based teaching, students build on previous learning and actively work to integrate knowledge from other disciplines. They learn to think and link concepts to solve problems. In a sense, the aim is to hardwire the flexibility to think on their feet. So notably, we are very aware that concepts don't take the place of content. Uh, students still have to master basic skills. And in fact, the new curriculum includes more clinical simulation and virtual practice time. Can you give our listeners some examples of just how to teach those types of skills like resiliency, like flexibility? What does that look like? We know these skills are important to the patient experience and that they can indeed be learned. 
With support from the Healing Trust, we recently were able to work to infuse empathy into our aging adult curriculum. In this pilot effort, um, using active listening, case studies, and having the students role play by assuming different perspectives, we saw significant increases in empathy scores on an established measurement tool, the Jefferson Empathy Scale. Simulation has become a really wonderful teaching tool. Students provide care in a realistic environment. They watch the video playback and then debrief the experience. It's extremely eye-opening to see yourself in action or maybe in action. Um, and we have a wonderful culmination experience in um, end-of-life care where the students simulate working with uh, patients and families at the end of life and then debrief. It is a very powerful, unforgettable experience. Um, and we know that our faculty teach soft skills by modeling them every day. So students learn the concepts, they see them in action, and we provide regular and intentional opportunities for them to practice. Can you provide our listeners with maybe a specific example of a teaching strategy that is different now relative to what was done before? We have a lot of changes coming up in the new curriculum, but a few that I could highlight uh, would include much more active learning uh, strategies. We know that this is the video game generation, that they expect something along the lines of the flipped classroom where we have them do more pre-class preparation, but then class time is more active. We use a lot of case studies, but we also have added more group work and gaming opportunities. We also have added more what the literature is now calling deliberative practice, and that's time in the simulation lab and with virtual sims. A couple of new clinical opportunities that we're very excited about. We have just finished, a, concluded a pilot with Vanderbilt University with a concept called the dedicated education unit where students work one-on-one -on -one with a staff nurse. The student actually works the same shift. So if you think about a realistic experience, that is definitely a way to get it. The students get more experience, but the university and uh, the hospital also had to make a commitment to training the preceptors. So the students identified almost immediately with the staff nurse they were paired with, and they talk with loving, glowing terms about my nurse. They, to a student, described having more and richer experiences with the coaching of that one-on-one that -on -one preceptor, and that they felt part of the team on that unit. They felt welcomed and part of the team. And probably the most telling and exciting feedback we got was from a, a particular student who said, you know, I wasn't really sure. I wasn't sure about this, but I know now I can do this. I can do this. And what I really know is I made the right choice. Studies have reported in some cases that new nurse turnover averages about 18% in year one, and in some cases over 30% in year two. And some of our customers are saying that they're seeing turnover rates even higher than that. Why do you think we're seeing such high turnover rates in nursing? I think if we attend uh, to the feedback from our graduates, um, we have got to pay a lot of attention to creating realistic expectations on the part of the new nurse and also match those expectations with the workplace of today or tomorrow. And 
we've got to address the fact that they are typically reporting to us regularly that the work is just hard, that it's too hard. We can do better. We can create more efficient workplace processes and procedures. What are some other things that nursing schools can do to help with this turnover problem? There really are a lot of things that, that we can do. We can work to strengthen our academic and practice partnerships. We have already made some real strides working with the chief nurses and the deans and directors. Um, we just had uh, a recent very successful summit calling folks from across the entire state together to talk about these challenges. We can invest in professional development for our own faculty. Remember, we were all trained using very traditional models. And one of the things that we're doing here at, at Belmont is at the end of this academic year, all of our nurse faculty will have completed Team Steps training, which is a communication and information exchange strategy and model developed by the, the armed forces that has been very successful. We need to really be creating robust networks with our clinical partners so we stay abreast of those changes and needs to share those realistic expectations. And I have to admit, we have to be willing to change our curriculum. We need to help preceptors and staff in clinical areas to be more prepared to work uh, with students. If you look at the, uh, our early findings from that dedicated education pilot, exceptional, just wonderful. Uh, feedback from the preceptors about how prepared they felt and how it was a completely different experience uh, than when they did not have that kind of training. I think too we have to be really careful with online learning. It's a wonderful tool and at Belmont we use every form of technology at our fingertips but we continue to believe that some hands-on experience and coaching have a unique place in deep learning that that simply can't be replaced. We're all in a fairly solid state of constant adaptation today, but I think we can do better with bridging the gaps between classroom and practice. Graduates need to enter the workforce with a solid skill set, but they also need to be more knowledgeable about real work. Again, based on feedback from our graduates uh, who tell us that the workplace is not what they expected and it's much harder. All new health professionals need some time for residency training and nursing is no different. To that end, it's really no secret that securing traditional clinical training opportunities has become more difficult. Over time, we have seen what I call restriction creep or limitations on the kinds of experiences available to students. For example, as a student nurse with supervision, and we won't talk about how long ago that was. Um, I functioned as part of a labor and delivery team. I hung blood and I gave really critical medications. These kinds of experiences are largely observation only for students now. This is due to many factors, risk management, increasing productivity demands, but we also know that seeing is not the same as doing. You discussed the impact of technology, and you even mentioned simulation earlier, uh, and how it's playing such an important role now. What can you tell us about the advancements you're seeing in those technologies, and how are they changing the way that you're training new nurses today? Well, I, I will admit that I had to be converted and to actually see the light myself. I'm a public health nurse by training. 
Um, I look at health policy and um, population health and big changes. So when I came to Belmont to see the wonderful facilities that we have and actually have some exposure to simulation and new technologies, it didn't take me long to see that light. We still use many traditional training models like standardized patients and case studies, but simulation and virtual sims have really added a whole new dimension to student learning with a safe environment for them to practice procedures and processes as many times as they need to become confident and proficient. Our students have really rich opportunities to practice with other disciplines and I know that that's a little bit unique. Not everybody has that opportunity. It's particularly uh, poignant with our um, end-of-life sims and the number of complex ethical sims that we do. Our, our students practice a lot and they practice together and we believe this gives them a little bit of a competitive edge in the marketplace. Kathy, what are your predictions for, say, the next 10 years in nursing? How will training of new nurses continue to change, or, or will it, or will it change? I'm really hopeful for improved information management and transfer systems to ease the workload of the nurse of today and tomorrow, and to promote patient safety. I just don't think the need for that can be underestimated. I would like to think that we will finally overcome a number of barriers to be able to practice to full scope, uh, that we would be able to pay attention to the 2010 Institute of Medicine recommendations, knowing that nurses have full potential to be much greater contributors to the anticipated increasing demand for primary care providers and in the areas of health promotion and chronic care management. I'm very hopeful that we will have more and better nursing research to clarify roles and contributions of nurses to make the work that nurses do more visible and accounted for. I expect fully that we will be more reliant on simulation and on technology, information and assistive devices, telemedicine, but I also think we are going to be using better strategies for working with patients who are more informed, with patients who are more culturally diverse, and with patients who continue to experience literacy and numeracy challenges. I think we are going to, by design, focus more on coaching for better health and, and behavior choices to prevent disease and disability. I think nurse training and nurses will ha have a big role to play there. And I think we will have a greater focus on social determinants of health and prevention. If you've got someone out there that's listening to this and they're contemplating entering this field but they're not quite sure, what do you want them to hear from you? One is to know that here at Belmont, our vision is to be recognized for innovation and excellence for preparing students from diverse backgrounds who emerge as compassionate providers and transformational leaders that are dedicated to service. But I will also say that nursing is a career choice that can take you down the street or around the world. It is probably the hardest job you will ever love. There is a reason we are the most trusted profession. And I think if you need in nursing, we would say a bolus dose of optimism and energy, you could just come and sit in on one of our classes and you would be amazed at 
the intellect and the talent and just the spirit of the next generation of nurses. And that's why you should come and join us. Be a nurse. Thank you for listening. You can learn more about what we've talked about today by visiting our website at healthstream.com slash podcast. For more Second Opinions, follow us on Facebook and Twitter or subscribe on our website.